It's time for WAKR's This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. This Week in Tech is brought to you by Cartridge World in North Canton, your home for copiers, printers, and supplies. This week, how new experimental gene editing technology is being used in the fight against a painful and debilitating disease. It's happening at the Cleveland Clinic Children's Hospital, where they're focusing on new stem cell treatments for sickle cell disease. We talked about it with Dr. Robbie Hanna, who's the chairman of the Pediatric Hematology Department and the chief investigator on this new study. You are born usually with it. It affects the red blood cells that carry our oxygen. It does a very important job of carrying the oxygen from our lungs to the different parts of our body. What happens in sickle cell disease that the red blood cell, instead of being circular color and being flexible where it can be squeezed and able to go through a very small vessels to wherever inside the body to deliver this oxygen. In sickle cell, there are a mutation inside the codes, basically our DNA that give the instruction for how the cells should be built. And based on this mutation, it makes the cell, instead of being circular, it turned into a croissant or basically a sickle cell shape when it is in a low oxygen area. And that caused a problem because then the cells, it becomes rigid, the cells stick to each other, and it literally blocked the small vessels. And as a result of that, the oxygen doesn't be delivered to the tissue. It could be the bone, it could be the brain. So some kids die from stroke. Sometimes that it will cause a pain crisis because it literally goes a crush in the bone. And this is a global disease. It affects a lot of people. It estimated approximately 6 million people are affected with 300,000 babies born with that every year. And even in the United States, it's approximately 100,000, 100,000 are affected here in the United States. And it is really affecting mostly African-American and some of the Hispanic population because of how this disease happened. The hypothesis in terms of human evolution that uh, there was some advantage for people who have the mutation, only one copy of the mutation, so they are called sickle cell trait or carrier. They are resistance from now research has been done and confirmed to malaria, so they can survive the infection, which is as you may know, or the audience know, it's very common in Africa and around the equator due to mosquito and some of the health. But because of that kind of selection pressure, there has been more people with African-American or ethnicity from Africa or even from Hispanic who carry that advantage. And that's estimated one in 126.5 of African-American in the United States carry that gene. But for you to have the sickle cell disease, you need to have one copy from mom and one copy from your dad in order to have the disease. Next, we talked about how this new therapy works. We have known for the last two decades that if we give a bone marrow from someone else healthy, it can lead to cure from sickle cell. But that's easier said than done. Uh, to find the donor... It's only around 17%. We don't have a good representation of African-American in the registry. And it's the type of transplant that would require very high dose of transplant for chemotherapy in order for transplant to be successful. 
you need immune suppression for quite a long time and that would lead to infection. And there is a potential of complication called grab versus host disease. So it has many more complications. Now moving to what we have done and demonstrated in the clinical research, we take the patient own stem cell. So that's the first important step. We give medicine to stimulate the bone marrow to produce more stem cell that can be then mobilized and collected through the peripheral blood through a machine. And after we collect the cells, we actually send them to a company that able to do gene editing. So this is an advanced technology. It has not, it's set different from the different experience where you add gene. This is gene editing using a technology called the CRISPR and Caspase. And specifically to my research study, we use Caspase 12. It's literally like a scissor and the glue. You could go and target through kind of guidance of what that RNA to tell them when you see the sequence, you go and cut it from here to here and put this in your instead of it. So it is very precise. That's key because you don't want to disrupt your DNA in some random area. You don't want it to be at risk for developing some new mutations there. So you want to be very precise in cutting and also gluing basically the editing of the new gene. And that's what we have done. And then the cells goes into a really a quality manufacturing, etc. And when they are ready, they return them to us at Cleveland Clinic and we will admit the patient. They will get the chemotherapy. But compared to the chemo we use with the transplant, it is much less. So we give only one medicine. Uh, for four days, then three days of rest. Then the cells are just look similar to a blood transfusion. So it's no surgery involved, nothing. It goes through the central line. And then it takes around four weeks for that patient to engraft, meaning the new stem cell will go to the bone marrow and build niches and homes for them that produce the normal and new red blood cells that they are edited. And that seems to be protective from the red blood cell effect of the last sickle cell. So it will be able functionally, what I call it functional cure, because the rest of your body will still have sickle cell, but they will be basically fed with the new red blood cells. They will function normally. So that will enable us to prevent any further complication that could result from sickle cell. And because those are stem cell edited for the rest of the life would be producing this new edited cells. But even though they're hoping to use this therapy on children, the four patients participating in the clinical trial so far are adults. Here's why. This is now currently done in the adult settings, age 18 to 50. And it is actually planned uh, later this year to extend it to the adolescent age 12 and higher. Uh, so it is important to prove the concept and the safety of it first in adult before it goes to kids. And that it is the plan when hopefully the data submitted to the uh, FDA, it will ask for approval in both adult and pediatric. I see. So you mentioned that when you talked about pediatric, it was between the ages of like 12 and 18. So this isn't necessarily something that once you start using it, you would use it like on infants. You would wait until they were 
a bit grown before you started using it? Yes, that would be preference. And there are different types of the studies or age. Some studies goes down to the age of eight. I personally, I do think it's important for someone who is going to have a life-threatening disease and life potentially complication, including one of the things we didn't discuss was the chemotherapy effect on fertility. It will be advisable in my own, when, when I meet with patients, to think of fertility preservation so that it is a risk that we can mediate when you are an adolescent through different mechanisms of sperm collection or egg cryopreservation. So when you are older, if there is a challenges with that, then you could have that option kept for you. It's like an insurance policy in my mind. And the benefit of that is, again, you have this. But if you have a child who is younger than that, Usually the disease doesn't manifest strong enough yet and doesn't cause irreversible damage. The reason why medically we chose this age, because most of the irreversible damage we see a little bit later in life. We do have kids and toddlers who may have stroke, etc. But that's still, I would recommend that then they see a bone marrow transplant physician and potentially see other curative therapies. But in general, when this is becoming more accessible, hopefully approved. I do believe this is going to be more elective. So it is not patients who are very severe and acutely. You have to do it right now. And for that reason, you have to do it in the most ideal and optimal settings, which currently I think are in adolescence. If the research improve and we can do this therapy without the need for chemotherapy, then potentially we can lower the age to infant or toddler because the long-term side effect may not exist at that time. That was Dr. Robbie Hanna. He's the chairman of pediatric hematology at Cleveland Clinic Children's Hospital. And I'm Jean Destro. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. This has been This Week in Tech with Gene Destro on WAKR, brought to you by Cartridge World in North Canton.